Uh, hi, my name is Derek Brazil, and this is my awesome wife, Stacy. Uh, before we begin, uh, let me pray. Uh, dear Lord, I just want to thank you for today and for all the blessings that you've given to us. Thank you for your son, Jesus, and thank you for your grace and our salvation. Lord, I just pray that the words that we speak tonight will help uh, the couples in this room and that you'll soften their hearts to hear our story and hopefully find hope and inspiration in it and that they can hopefully see you through our experience. In your son's name, amen. Amen. Uh, Stacy and I have been married for 10 years and we have five children. Uh, Jordan is 20 and Josh is 19. Leighton is eight, Lexi is seven, and Liam will turn six next month. I want to start by saying that we're really glad that you're here tonight. You're not alone in dealing with the serious problems that you may have in your marriage. And not that long ago, we sat where you're sitting right now. We wondered like you're wondering right now. We listened to people's stories and tried to see hope in the darkest of moments like you may be doing right now. We wanted an answer like many of you may be wanting right now. And I will say this, the answer is here if you're paying attention. My home life when I grew up was very unstable. I moved back and forth between either of my parents or my grandmother. My parents were not religious, but my grandmother was and introduced me to the Lord. I became a believer at a very young age. My dad struggled with alcohol and anger. Physical violence in our home was common, and I learned that withdrawal and isolation were a necessary way to stay safe. As a teenager, um, anger toward him caused me to leave home at 16. I found self-confidence in being able to take care of myself. When I was 18, I attended a graduation party, and while under the influence of alcohol, I was raped by an ex-boyfriend and another man. Um, I became pregnant as a result of this. I sought counsel from family, and they told me to abort um, the baby. I went to a clinic, but just could not do it. Having no other option, I contacted the ex-boyfriend and agreed to get married. I had Jordan a few weeks later after my uh, 19th birthday, and I turned my focus on him. After 10 years of being in a physically abusive relationship to the point that the lives of my son and myself were in a constant state of danger, the marriage ended. My ex-husband was not a believer and did not desire reconciliation. I want you to know that God's design for marriage is always reconciliation. If you're here tonight with divorce as an option, we pray that you step back, take divorce off the table, and allow God to restore your marriage. To say that I was clueless about what a godly marriage was or what a godly man looked like is the understatement of the millennium. My parents divorced when I was really too young to remember, but I remember it was infidelity that was the cause. I grew up with my mom in a poor part of town, and she raised me as a single mother for most of my childhood. She went in and out of relationships, and as I got older, promiscuity was encouraged as long as I was safe. I constantly looked for my mother's attention and affection and realized that I got it through achievement. I confused female attention with being valued, and the clear and misguided message to me was that you find your true value in life through your relationships and through your success. God was not in the picture. My only real exposure to Jesus was from my grandmother, who I would stay with for long periods of time in the summer. Other than that, God did not really come up in our home except for the occasional visit to church for Easter or Christmas. It wasn't until my freshman year at Baylor that an upperclassman mentored me and I accepted Christ. But even after accepting him, my relationship with Christ was spotty at best. If things were bad, I would turn to him. Otherwise, I would say, stay out of my way, Lord, I've got this. While my college years were relatively tame, my law school years and time as a young lawyer in Dallas were the opposite. I worked hard and played even harder. I went between dating one woman at a time in succession and dating around with multiple people. 
the world and even my parents encouraged me to play the field in a very unchristian way. But then in 2003, I went to the dentist to deal with a broken tooth. At the time, I had a living girlfriend, but that relationship was ending. And although I'd been to the dentist several times, at the end of the visit, this very attractive redhead started flirting with me and then threw her business card at me to get my attention. It was near my birthday, and a few days later, uh, she sent me a happy birthday email, which at the time seemed really odd for dentist office, although I understand that they do it now. So I sent her an email back asking if it was from her or from the dentist, and she said it was from her. So, of course, I asked her to lunch. Derek and I met at the worst of times if you're looking at it from a Christian perspective. I was living in full rebellion against God. I was able to control everything around me, or so I thought. I made my son my life, and when he was away, I spent my time pursuing men for comfort. Derek and I started our relationship with the understanding that it would be just physical. I was not looking for an emotional relationship, and I just wanted to have fun. I did not trust men, and I was happy in my controlled isolation. As we spent time together, things began to change, and our feelings for each other grew. I started to see a sweet side to Derek that I had never seen in a man before. He was able to talk about feelings and help me to do the same. After six months of seeing each other, I introduced him to Jordan, and they grew close quickly. Soon after the first time they met, we started discussing getting married. I knew that Derek had some issues of his own, but I minimized those and chose to see the potential to be better. We got married February 12, 2005. (laughs) You call me sweet. (laughs) Marriage 1.0. For some people, the shine wears off the marriage after just a few years. For us, it was really the rehearsal dinner and probably somewhat before that. In my effort to find affirmation in something worldly, I was late to my rehearsal dinner because I put my work first. It turns out that I put almost everything uh, in the world first before my wife. My pattern of needing affirmation from females had left me with very few guy friends, but plenty of women friends and coworkers. Despite my love for Stacy, I often placed unnecessary value on the opinions of these other women, and that did not go well with my new bride. I didn't make any effort to curb those friendships, and when Stacey insisted that I cut them off, or she sent emails doing it for me, I was angry and resentful, because in my all-too-sinful mind, these folks were just friends, even if they were exes. Soon after our wedding, I realized that Derek's work and other relationships were more important to him than I was. The person I thought that was going to save me was failing. As Derek struggled to give me what I wanted, I increasingly found fault in him. Nothing he did made me happy, and I became angry. Instead of dealing with our conflict head-on, I withdrew my love. I could go days without saying a word to him, and when I did, it was mean. I knew he wanted my attention, but I was selfish and immature. If I wasn't happy, he wasn't going to be either. I let my hurt turn into bitterness, and it festered. I was looking to my husband to find my happiness. I saw Stacy's distance, and I didn't trust her to love me, even though I really craved her affection. After a time, we did what all isolating couples do if they don't view divorce as an option. We decided to grin and bear it. Kids were next on the agenda, and we had three of them back to back to back. We also decided to open our home to a foster son. We filled our time with children and moved further and further away from each other. In short, we became two people living on two ends of an island. We were roommates with mutual responsibilities, but virtually no connection. Our marriage was not in a good place. Anger quickly turned to depression for me. To help soothe myself, I made my children into my idols. I poured everything I had into them. I put my relationship with Derek on a shelf. Although I was doing it great as a mom, my heart hurt to have a loving marriage. 
Don't get me wrong. There were good times and glimmers of what life could be, but neither of us trusted the other and we grew further apart. In Marriage 1.0, we looked to each other, our kids, my job, and to ourselves to find our happiness, hope, and light. And as you know, if those are your focus, Christ is not the focus of your marriage. And because that's a recipe for disaster, disaster struck. A recently divorced woman at work started paying attention to me, and we began an affair. When Stacy discovered the affair, we both had a lot of reflection to do. After the affair, I was desperate. I thought if we could fix Derek and his struggles, everything would be okay. I blamed him for everything that was negative in our relationship. I was not willing to take responsibility for my part of our struggles. We tried counseling, and that just made me angry. As the counselor started to help me point the finger at Derek, I got scared. I knew it wasn't just Derek that needed help. I did too. I started praying again, and God responded. We were blessed to get invited to Watermark a few weeks later. Romans 8.26, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. The first service was overwhelming. I cried through most of it. In the weekly bulletin, I found the re-engaged ministry, and we decided to give it a try. For the first time, I had hope that our marriage could be restored. So we began what we thought would be marriage 2.0, but it quickly went awry. Like sinners often do, I tried to pass the buck. I failed to take any responsibility for my bad decisions, and I blamed all my bad choices on Stacy's isolation. I convinced myself that it was really her fault. If she had just done X, Y, or Z, this would have never happened. It was total self-delusion, inspired by the world and my own flesh. Again, I was looking at Stacy as the source of my happiness. I drew a circle around myself, and I took a few steps to work on me in the beginning, but I missed the most important thing of all. I had a giant Christ-shaped hole in my life, <clears throat> and I kept trying to fill it with everything but Christ, including starting a second affair. A few weeks into the re program, I knew something was wrong. We were both putting in the work, but I could see Derek was falling into old patterns. He had hired a new female attorney against my wishes, and the relationship had become personal. My unwillingness to deal with conflict made me unable to address the issue well. I began to pull away from Derek again, but I turned to our new community for help. Proverbs 24, 6. Surely you need guidance to wage war, and victory is won through many advisors. My marriage was under attack, and I needed to be reminded that I had to fight for it. I had to own up to my heart, let go of my pain, and work with Derek to rebuild our lives. I am so thankful for my community and re-engaged ladies that counseled with me during this time. They kept me focused on God and my issues and not Derek. When the world told me to turn from my marriage, they led me to God's word and will for our family. For the first time in my life, I became a follower of Jesus, not just a believer. It has been a journey with many bumps and bruises, but it allowed me to heal and also forgive Derek. It was in the middle of re-engage that that God finally broke me down so that I could truly see him. I wondered what kind of evil really lurked in me. Why was I unable to heal myself and my marriage? Is this really the person that I am? But then someone pointed me to Romans 7.18 that says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. God's provision for his people is his word and his people. And the Christian men God put into my life spoke, spoke truth to me and helped me to see my sin nature. God used these men, some of whom are here tonight, 
to go over scripture with me and pray with me to show me that deep down I had not trusted God with my heart and soul. It was the instant gratification of lust, female attention, and success that I worshiped. I was looking over at Stacy and everywhere else for my happiness and not up to God for it. With that realization, my heart began to change and Stacy and I began to heal our marriage the right way. We don't have the perfect marriage, but I'm okay with that now. Perfection is no longer the goal. The skills we learned and re-engaged were good tools for us to have to be able to get through difficult times and conversations. To continue to grow in Christ, Derek and I both started Regen, Watermark's recovery ministry. It has helped us both work on knowing our different sin natures so we can fight them. We are sitting here today as a couple who struggles well in marriage only because we have learned to trust the Lord and have a personal relationship with him. Struggling well, I like that. We are two broken people from two broken places who worked really hard to break each other even more, but that was not God's plan for us. Galatians five sixteen and 24 through 25 say, so I, live by the, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And in verse 24, it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So what does it mean to really keep in step with the Spirit? Well, for us, that was marriage 3.0, and it is different. We now have a new life in Christ, and we try to devote ourselves daily to reading God's Word in some way or another. We try to put up protections to guard against unnecessary temptation, like making sure I have accountability when I travel out of town for work. We seek biblical counsel from our community and accountability uh, partners, some of whom are also here tonight. And our community and accountability partners challenge us about our struggles. We pray together now when we never did before. We're more intentional with leading our children in their understanding of Christ and in our dealings with each other. We try to serve others to avoid selfish tendencies. There's confession and forgiveness when things go badly. Most importantly, we've changed our center. We now look up to God and not overrate each other for happiness. Our prayer for your marriage is that each of you learn to let go of your idols and the things of the flesh that control you and that you trust Christ with all of your heart. We are both closer to Christ than we've ever been, and our marriage is stronger than it's ever been because of it. Thank you.